Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. I'm not sure where you guys live, but I live in Houston. And today it was 101 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm not talking about the heat index. I'm talking about the actual temperature outside. So if you're pregnant, especially if you're in the South, please make sure to stay hydrated because this heat will have you having preterm contractions and going into preterm labor. And we just don't want that, okay? Um, honestly, it's just too hot outside for for anybody. I think pretty much anywhere in the U.S. I was in Chicago last week, and it was 98 degrees there, and people were about to lose their minds. So all in all, y'all stay hydrated, stay safe, so that we don't have to see you in preterm labor. Many of you know, although our episodes drop on Thursdays, I record on Sundays. So today is a very special double day for all of us. Today is Juneteenth, which is revered as Black Independence Day since the slaves um, in Texas didn't know they were free until mm, several years later, um, which is why we celebrate uh, Juneteenth, despite the emancipation several years earlier. And it's also Father's Day So happy Father's Day to all the dads and those who lend fatherly support to any uh, anyone and anybody in any form or fashion. My dad passed away when I was 10 years old and there were several uncles and my stepfather and friends of the family that helped support me along my journey and my sister as well. So I hope that each of you father figures enjoy your Sunday or enjoyed your Sunday. So to help me celebrate Father's Day, I thought we should chat about the role of dads and what the, how they play their role in pregnancy. Now, we focus so much on the one who carries the baby, for the majority of that means the woman. But instead of focusing on them, we have to remind ourselves that 50% of our baby's chromosomes or genetic makeup actually come from dad. And that dad has the same responsibilities to that little one as we do. During the pregnancy, the role of dad is to be present and supportive. And of course, that's from my perspective. I think that that's your role. Now, what that looks like, meaning being present and being supportive of uh, the person carrying the baby, that really depends on the dad and the family because everyone's family situation is in fact very different. But one thing's for sure Even though dad isn't physically carrying the baby, he still can have a physical connection to the baby. Some studies have shown that 
Sensitive male subjects with pregnant partners experience the psychological symptoms of pregnancy as a way to deal with psychological distress of becoming a father. And that's called compathy. So you empathize with that person. So, and you're the company of that person, so compathy. So this compathy is sometimes a part of what's called Kuvati syndrome. And this is a sympathetic pregnancy or a proposed condition in which an expectant father experiences some of the same symptoms and behaviors as their pregnant partner. Now, physical signs and symptoms of the sympathetic pregnancy or Kuvati syndrome in men can include the following. It can include nausea and vomiting, just like we experience more so in the first trimester that then sort of diminishes through the second trimester. You can have intestinal problems such as abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, and constipation. They can experience heartburn or this, you know, increased belching that we feel, this burning sensation in our chest. Um, those are symptoms of heartburn. They can also have changes in their appetite. So in pregnancy, some people feel very full very fast because the uterus is pressing on all of your intestines, right? So, and progesterone, like we've talked about before, the pregnancy hormone slows down movement through the GI tract or through your bowels. Some men feel that, okay? Can also, uh, that, that slowing down of your intestinal system, it's also a reason why you may feel nausea and vomiting, okay? And then once you get to the late third trimester, a lot of our appetites are ravenous, right? We want to eat ice cream. We want to send our husbands on runs to get brownies and things like that. Well, men, they can also have those cravings as well. As a result, they can also have weight gain or weight loss as we experience weight gain and weight loss. Some people have toothaches. So we know that uh, a lot of women have issues with, with toothaches and can also have issues with cavities and poor dentition. For me, I had an Invisalign during pregnancy, but I had a lot of nausea and vomiting. So I ended up getting a cavity, my first cavity after the pregnancy when I went uh, back to the dentist. And I was just so upset about that. But men can also have toothache, tooth decay and cavities as well. And a lot of that is caused by erosion from acid, stomach acid from not being nauseated and vomiting all the time. Okay, They can also experience backaches, skin problems and skin changes. They can have leg cramps. They can faint like we faint. They can have weakness and they can also have urinary and genital irritations. Now, some of the psychological signs and symptoms of uh, Kuvati syndrome, which is also called a sympathetic pregnancy, can include changes in your sleep pattern, anxiety, depression, decreased libido or decreased sex drive, and restlessness. Now, to help me talk about the male perspective in pregnancy. I have a very special guest. And if I could do a drum roll, I would do one, okay? Because my special guest is none other than Dr. James Anthony Pliny, aka my husband, y'all. My husband's on the show. So the other Dr. Plenty, who's my husband, is an ordained minister and chaplain and, and an educator in music. He has been a leader in the National Baptist Convention Music Auxiliary for many years and mentors and teaches throughout the U.S. On a personal note, he is a proud husband of me and the father of our son, Harrison. He has experience with dealing with a wife who had a lot of complications during the pregnancy. So, of course, I asked him to come on the show and be my very special guest today. So, James, honey, 
Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Do you guys hear his uh hear his tone? <laughs> so I um, went to him and I said, "Hey babe, I'm doing a show on the role of the man in the pregnancy. You know, how men are tolerating a coping with pregnancy. Do you want to come on the show?" And you know, of course, you know, I wanted him to be like Oh my God, this is such an honor. Of course I'll come on the show. But his response in, it, it was, do I have to? <laughs> if if I have to, I will. And I think I it said, was more like, if you want me to, I'm happy to do that. Mm, it was more like, <laughs> he looked at me, he paused and he was like, uh, yeah, if you need me to, I will. And so I said, yeah, I need you to come on. And so here he is. So, babe, welcome to the podcast. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you. So um, let's start with a couple questions for you before we jump into our listener questions. And since we're talking about, you know, men and how they cope with the pregnancy and their role during the pregnancy, did you feel like you were a part of our pregnancy or did you feel like you were more of an observer to the pregnancy? I certainly felt like I was um, a part of the pregnancy. Um, as you mentioned already, I think our journey was um, uh, had a lot of ups and downs uh, with your illness. And so I think that my participation um, largely was a result of that and um, kind of partnering with you or being present as you walked through uh, the sickness and all of that stuff. So I, I definitely felt like I was there and, and present and and had an opportunity to, to journey with you through the uh, entire experience for sure. If you guys are new to the podcast and don't follow me on social media, I don't know what y'all are waiting for. Go ahead and follow. Okay. Follow me on social media. Um, but my pregnancy journey was very difficult. So James and I had our first pregnancy two years after we got married. We had a miscarriage. And then after that, I honestly was really reluctant to even try to get pregnant again. I mean, it was overwhelming for me. So I, I know it was probably overwhelming for you too. But then once we decided to get pregnant, we got pregnant relatively fast. I mean, it took us like two or three months. And then once we got pregnant, it was, it went from like being overjoyed and happy to bam, you're in the hospital. So 10 weeks, <laughs> I ended up having a really large deep vein thrombosis or a blood clot in my leg, which I've talked about on previous episodes before and three blood clots in my lung and was hospitalized for a week and then put on bed rest for two weeks after that until the swelling went down and things like that in my leg. And I was followed by a cardiologist because I had a really high heart rate and would just faint. And that's called neurocardiogenic syncope. Big word that means your heart rate goes up and you just lose consciousness. Um, so I would just faint and I had a lot of nausea and vomiting through the entire pregnancy. So I could barely keep anything down the entire pregnancy. And that, of course, aided to my fainting, right? Because if you're dehydrated and your heart rates are high because probably because you're dehydrated, you will faint. You will pass out and faint. Um, I also had a really difficult C-section because Harrison was breached. I had a lot of fibroids and I ended up losing three and a half liters of blood, which is like almost half of your blood volume there and had to end up getting a mass transfusion protocol. So James was in the room when they're doing the stat C-section and all these people are rushing in and out when that happened. So um, 
how did you feel when all that was going on? Like at the time of the C-section, whenever people were, I was like obviously unconscious and people were, a lot of people probably were in there and, you know, rushed in there because of everything going on. How did you feel when that was going on? I was just ready for them to get done with the procedure. Um, I, when you got ill um, and, pay, and fainted, uh, you hadn't even been cut yet. And so it was the anesthesiologist who was trying to get you prepped for your, your surgery. And um, with those complications, things just went really quickly uh, just because they wanted to make sure they got baby out and, and got you stable and all that stuff like that. So I was just anxious for them to get done and very transparently for him to get out of the way because I felt like he was just like slowing up progress and uh, the OB couldn't come in and do what she needed to do because she was kind of waiting on him. And so just, you know, lots of anxiety in the sense that I wanted to get past the C-section and get, you know, to the place where both of you all were recovering and we had baby uh, happy and healthy, um, you know, uh, out of your belly. But it was just, you know, it took much longer in my, you know, from my perspective than, than I really wanted it to. So um, what's the craziest thing I did during the pregnancy that you recall? Oh, I, <laughs> you did nothing that I would call crazy during the present pregnancy. Um <laughs> Um, there were challenging moments. And I think, you know, the fact that you worked the entire pregnancy and would be like, you know, passed out at work on the floor. Um, those were those were, you know, difficult moments in the sense that, you know, you had people that were around you who were trying to make sure you were OK as you all were trying to take care of other patients. And so, um, you know, those were always fun. Fun, huh? Yeah. So um, what our listeners don't know, um, shout out to my team in, at Community Health Network in Indianapolis, Indiana. They took good care of me during that pregnancy. They were sort of annoying me because they were like, sit down. You can't do this. Sit down. Right. And my office manager, Sierra Hermish, who's now with IU, I believe she's not with community anymore, but I mean, she was like family. I mean, when I got sick in the hospital, like she came over there and sat down in a chair for, you know, every day when I was in the hospital, she was there. People were like, she is, she is like, acting like she is family. She's propped up. I'm like, she is family. And she would text my husband whenever something was going on, you know, like, I think you need to come up here and check on her. I think something's going on. So they definitely kept you in the loop, uh, the entire pregnancy, they uh, they definitely kept you and Kim, Kim Harris, who was my OBGYN at that time, uh, kept both of you guys in the loop. So I had like a million eyes on me telling me what I could and could not do uh, during the whole pregnancy, which was to me really crazy. So was there ever a time, James, when you thought to yourself, I'm over all of this? Like, why did we even do this? Um, Again, it was just you know, I had a feeling of, you know, ready to get to the end, probably when the sickness happened. Um, because at that point, it was just, you know, it was a lot for you, a lot, not only because you were sick, but you were sick trying to, you know, still go to work and all that. And so for sure, I was over it and ready for the baby to get here. And for, you know, we had had conversations about the fact that once you had this baby, all of the illness and, and stuff would kind of, you know, disappear and you get back to normal. So I was certainly looking forward to that for sure. So looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? You yourself, 
would have done differently during the pregnancy? I think that I would have tried to just check in with you more. Um, and, and that, you know, hindsight observation, you know, comes from conversations we've had since, you know, you had the baby and, and you sharing your perspective during the pregnancy. Uh, so I would, um, you know, I would have loved to check in with you a little bit more and make sure that uh, you were, you know, you were good as far as, you know, having the things you needed when you got home or, you know, to check and see how you were feeling um, and all of those things, uh, just to make sure that you felt like, um, as you mentioned earlier, you, you felt like I was present or, you know, supporting you during this journey. So, so those two things, I think that, you know, not that I feel like I, I didn't do those things, but I think that you can't do, you can't check in, you know, too much. You can't be too present um, during, during times like that. So I definitely would, would, you know, prioritize that uh, for sure. If I were to, we would do it again. Let me tell you guys, some there, there was sometimes I'd be telling my husband, I feel like I'm about to die. Like, because when you have neurocardiogenic syncope and your heart rate goes up and you feel like you're faint or you're gasping for air, like there'll be some days that I was literally fanning myself on the floor and my husband would be laying in the bed sometimes. And I'd be like, you ain't gonna bring me no water. Nothing help me up. And he'd be like, this will pass. I mean, he was just so calm sometimes. So I had to, I had a couple of times I had to get him together and remind I had him to be, I had to be the calm person because that's not your, your personality typically when things are difficult. And so, you know, I was the yin to your yang during this experience. Listen, I had to get him together. I had to let him know, listen, you got to step up because I feel like I'm about to die by myself and you should be on the floor fanning me. Not me fanning myself. I don't let him know. He he picked up. I will say he was very good. He picked up all my medication from the pharmacy. He definitely bought me a couple of maternity pillows to try. He definitely helped me clean up plenty of vomit. So he he was there. But the, that beginning piece, you were a little rocky. You were just a little just a little rough, babe. Just saying. Learning curves. That's all. Mm, mm. All right. So now that we know a little bit about dad's role of being present and supportive, let's go to some questions. And we don't have any cases today, y'all. We have all questions. And this is questions. These are questions about dad because it's his baby, too. So what's his role in all of this? All right, medical intern. I'm ready. We ready. Okay. the first one says, Dr. Plenty, my wife is 22 weeks pregnant with our first child. She has gestational diabetes and is pretty well controlled without medicines. However, everything irritates her. She tells me that I'm getting on her nerves often and that she feels as if I'm trying to micromanage her. She also told me that I'm emotionally abusing her because when I restrict her diet, it makes her feel as if she's fat. But doc, I'm only trying to be helpful because I don't want anything to happen to our baby boy. How can I make my wife see that I'm acting in her best interest? Signed, Samuel. Oh, I um, I empathize with you, my friend, my brother. Um, it's you know it's difficult to to journey during those nine months with with your wife because a few things are happening at the same time. Her body is experiencing changes that yours, your body's not experiencing. Emotionally, 
she's going through some experiences that that you don't have uh, experience with. Her hormones are doing something that yours are not doing. And so first and foremost, without trying to get her to understand your perspective, you know, you got to have empathy and realize that, you know, she she's on a journey. Her body is, is dealing with some things right now um, that you may not fully understand. Uh, secondly, communication is absolutely key, you know, and letting her not only hear your voice, but making sure that you are listening for her voice during the journey. So while you may be attempting to communicate something to her about the fact that you're prioritizing uh, her health and her wellness. Make sure you're taking time to listen to her, respond to uh, the things that she's hearing from you and the the way that your actions are making her feel. Uh, maybe there's you know an opportunity for you to try to communicate the same thing, but in a different way. And so empathetic uh, uh, love, care, and compassion during the journey and just making sure that you are you know, really, really being intentional about communicating through listening and through also sharing, uh, sharing your voice with her. Uh, It's a journey and um, there's, there's uh, no real, uh, no, no great way of, of making sure that she does not feel slighted or feel, you know, negatively impacted by the things that, that you do aside from being very sensitive and just listening uh, to the things that she shares with you. Uh, if, if you're a great listener during the, the journey, then, uh, you know, it, it, it will it will be over and you all will be uh, you all will have survived it. And and, and things are going to be OK. I agree with my husband. I would add this, you know, instead of focusing on I don't want anything to happen to our baby boy. Focus on I don't want anything to happen to my wife. OK. And I say that because let's say something does happen to your baby. You're going to blame her. And she feels that. If you keep on saying, I don't want anything to happen to baby. I don't want anything to happen to baby. I don't want anything to happen to baby. Then you're not embracing her feelings in all this. And of course, she doesn't want anything to happen to your baby either. Okay. But you constantly saying, I don't want anything to happen to the baby neglects her. The baby is going to come and all the attention will be on the baby eventually. But during this pregnancy, it needs to be, and she needs to hear, hey, I want you to be okay. This disease also affects you long-term and not just your, ba- not just the baby. So I would take the focus off of, I don't want anything to happen to the baby to, hey, I want to make sure you're good. And some of that may also be stepping back and saying, hey, it's not that I don't trust that you know how to manage your diabetes. I'm just trying to be helpful. Ask your wife or your or your girlfriend, did they say wife? Wife, wife, what she likes to eat, okay? And try to find something that's similar or allow her to take the lead on her diet, okay? If she says, this is what I wanna eat and it's within the carb restriction, you can say, hey, do you want me to write down what you're eating in your journal for you? Do you want me to research how many carbs the things that you're suggesting are? And then you can do that. So if you're looking up the carbs and telling her, hey, that's 75 grams of carbs. I just want to make sure you're aware of that. Then she can hear out loud that she's not supposed to be eating that, right? Because she has her own carb restriction. And then if she's been doing well over these weeks, then you know, compliment her and tell her she's doing fantastic. And also 
let her treat herself. I mean, we can't be so strict with these things that the diet becomes unrealistic. Okay. I tell my patients that all the time. If you have diabetes, you are allowed to cheat every now and then. Okay. So cheat once a week, if you will, every other week, get you something that you want to cheat. Because if you have one piece of cake every two weeks, that is not non-compliant. That's a reward. So now obviously you need to talk to your OBGYN about that first, but I would definitely um, encourage you, you know, treat her every once in a while, you know, go out to dinner, let her order what she wants to order and then get back on uh, the diabetic diet after that, because we got to be realistic with these expectations. But I would put the focus on your wife. Okay. Especially if you are trying to like really control her diabetes, remind her that, Hey, babe, I want to make sure you're good. You know, gestational diabetes increases your risk of having type two diabetes later on. I don't want anything to happen to you or this baby. So let's, let's make sure we're giving her the attention that she needs and make sure we're giving her, um, you know, the affection that she needs as well. A lot of people in pregnancy, you're gaining weight, right? If somebody's a normal normal BMI, meaning your BMI is that like 19 to 25 range, then you are needing to gain 35 pounds during the pregnancy, okay? Um, if you are obese, 11 to 20 pounds. So, and, and then if you're overweight, up to that 25 pounds, so people are gaining more weight than they've ever gained in a short period of time. So you do feel a little bit self-conscious about your body, but doing things like holding her, touching her, telling her that she's still attractive. Those things are very important to somebody that is pregnant and expanding. And I say that uh, it, with all kindness, okay, because you gain weight, you do expand. Your nose gets wider, your hips get wider, you got stretch marks on your belly, your arms, you know, you're different, okay? And so to have your spouse or significant other, you know, uh, affirm that you still got it means a lot as opposed to somebody just saying, this is what you got to eat, this is what you got to eat, you can't gain too much weight, you can't gain this, you can't gain that. Then you're like, oh my God, I must be fat. And he doesn't trust that I'm going to do the right thing for this baby. And the only thing he cares about is this baby and not me. We do not need to make, make sure that's not your message. So reframe and reshape your message. Show a little bit more affection and let her take more of a lead on her own diet. So she doesn't feel like she's just there to carry your baby. You ready for your next question? Yes, medical intern. I'm ready for the next question. Okay. Our second question is from Malik and he writes, Dr. Plenty, my wife is afraid to have sex. She is 26 weeks pregnant and we have not had sex since she found out that she was pregnant at about seven weeks. Initially, she had some spotting. So the nurse told us to wait until we had an appointment with the OBGYN to make sure the intercourse was okay. We had the appointment and found out that everything was normal. She hasn't had bleeding since that time, but still won't have sex. Is sexual intercourse dangerous during pregnancy or is my wife just being extreme? I'll give thoughts on this first because I want to make sure I'm answering this from a medical perspective. And then, James, you can give your thoughts about sex and pregnancy. Sex is not dangerous in pregnancy. Okay. It's actually a, a time where 
one, women are going through this, like I said, in the last question, women are going through a lot of physical changes um, and they also are going through a lot of hormonal changes. So you got a lot more estrogen and a lot more progesterone, obviously progesterone, you know, these are pregnancy hormones. So the woman's hormones are pretty much raging in pregnancy. So the sex drive in pregnancy is going to be a lot higher. So rejecting her uh, would be bad. Okay. It would make her feel like she is not pretty, but at the same time, some people in intercourse, if they've had a scare or they've had a miscarriage, they can be very reluctant to have sex, not because they don't want to have sex, but because they are extremely anxious and they think that they've done something to cause the miscarriage. So no, sexual intercourse, as long as the placenta or the afterbirth is not covering the cervix, as long as she's not having like cervical shortening or already in labor, as long as she's having a normal low-risk pregnancy, then sex is not going to be dangerous. I don't want to say she's being extreme because I don't know your whole situation. She could be anxious because she did have bleeding earlier in pregnancy. And if she had a miscarriage or something before, then she's anxious. She just wants this pregnancy to be normal. And so I would encourage you to give her a little bit of grace during this time. And perhaps instead of focusing on sex, 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 I would focus more so on affection. Okay. Focus on being intimate in that way. And if she doesn't want to have vaginal sex, then perhaps suggest some other type of entanglement. So if you listen to my other podcast, Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations, which you should, you should listen to both y'all. Y'all should listen to both. Then you would know that, you know, we talked about this. Just because you can't have vaginal intercourse doesn't mean that you can't have other types of sex. Okay. Hands work, mouth works, other orifices are there, like suggests, you know, a little bit of other type of entanglement if she is nervous about that and really talk to her and say, you know what, our doctor cleared us from sex. Like, tell me how you feel about us having, you know, intercourse. Is it, does it make you feel nervous? Do you think something's going to happen to the baby? So I say that to say, talk to your wife, see what's going on, but don't let that be a reason that you don't show her any affection because you're not showing off that won't get you any. Okay. You're more likely to get some, if you actually show some type of affection and then she's, you know, mentally stimulated and also psychologically stimulated, which will also help her with the physical stimulation as well. So that's what I would suggest, honey. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to uh, also agree with, with uh, Nicole's, thoughts on this. I think that um, it's really about, as I said, even with the last question, communication, not only being one who, who shares your thoughts, but also listening, try to understand um, your wife's perspective, you know, ask the questions. We've been cleared here. We've, we've talked about this. What are you really concerned about, babe? Like, what are your um, concerns if we do, um, you know, have intercourse? Um, I, I'd be interested to know, and I can't remember, you know, from the question, if intercourse was had before the, the bleeding happened before, maybe that's a reason that she's concerned. You know, maybe, you know, you all had sex last time and bleeding occurred after that. Uh, so just having conversation and, you know, like Nicole mentioned, uh, regardless of intercourse happening or not, uh, making sure intimacy is, is still there. I think that's going to, you know, carry you through 
the the moments that you, you're dealing with until you all get to a place where she feels comfortable, you know, having having sex again. All right, medical intern. What's our next question? This one says, Dr. Plenty, my husband told me he feels helpless during the pregnancy, almost like he's in the way. I'm not sure why he feels that way, though. He attends all of our prenatal visits and picks up my prescriptions from the pharmacy. He also helps me more around the house since I was put on partial bed rest due to preterm contractions. He always says he wants to do more, but doesn't know what to do. What should I do to show my husband that he's doing a great job during this pregnancy? So there are absolutely going to be times when um, you feel as the husband that you, you're not doing in, you know anything right. You feel like you are um, always behind the eight ball. I think that's just a part of the whole journey. You know, this is again, not, you know, we're not carrying the baby, you know, our, our wives or our girlfriends are carrying the baby. And so, um, you know, it's our job to try to, you know, anticipate the needs of, of our, our wife and try to respond, you know, as quickly as possible, try to make sure that nothing goes lacking by way of, you know, house responsibilities financial responsibilities, all of these wonderful things, uh, it becomes really, really easy to um, get in the mental space where you feel like you're not doing enough or, you know, like the, the, the individual wrote, they keep, they feel like they're getting in the way. But I want to discourage that line of thinking and just, you know, encourage him to think about, um, you know, this as, you know, a marathon. It's, you know, you got nine months to try to figure out what is needed during this journey with your wife. And as you all go down this road together, you communicate, um, you, you ask the questions, Hey, Hey, what do you need from me? How can I be more helpful? Um, is there anything that you feel like, um, you know, we're, we're missing, uh, anything that I can step up and do better, um, you know, ask those questions. Don't be afraid to ask, you know, even ask the question, do you feel like I'm getting in the way? Am I bothering you in any way? Can I change something that, that you know, will make this journey a little bit easier for you? I really, really believe that communicating, asking the questions is going to give you peace of mind, but also make sure that at the end of the day, things are covered from your perspective and from her perspective. But, you know, resist to thinking that that you can't, you know, you're not doing enough. Uh, that's just going to naturally, you know, be, uh, I think, a perception during this journey, especially because we're not the ones carrying the baby. And so there's just so much that we can do as long as you are present. And as Nicole mentioned earlier, uh, supportive, that to me is, is half the battle. I think that's great advice to uh, our husbands for the wife. You know, what should you do? And I think that it sounds like you you said, you know, I don't know why he feels this way because he does all these things, um, but he wants to do more. One, I would make sure that you actually told him you're doing a good job. OK, being direct and saying you're doing a great job. Thank you for doing X. OK, and being specific like, hey, I liked it when you did X and um you know, and, and you know what your husband will perceive as, you know, as good. Right. So if you're like, you know, when I tell him something, he doesn't believe me, then you have to tell him and give him examples of that. Perhaps you need to give him like, like if he's going to work, 
like leave a little card in his bag and say, hey, you know, just thinking about how wonderful you've been so far this pregnancy so that there's something tangible that he can touch and he can open. And it's a surprise when he gets to work, you know, um, showing appreciation, like buying a small gift and saying, you know, thank you for doing X, Y, and Z when he does it, right? So actually acknowledging these specifics of what he does. So sometimes people say, oh, you did a great job, right? At what, right? So in their head, they're still not doing enough. But if you say you did a great job at, man, if you didn't pick up those prescriptions, they wouldn't have gotten picked up. Like, thank God you're here. Goes further than you're doing a great job, right? No, you saved my life by picking these prescriptions up and I appreciate you. Hey, you going and, you know, doing the homework with the kids. I I mean, I was exhausted. I couldn't do that. Thank you so much for doing that specific thing. Okay. And then also thanking, you know, thank you so much for washing the dishes. Like, oh my God, I'm so nauseated last night that I couldn't even stand up right. And you wash the dishes. Thank God. So not only does that validate the things that he's doing, it also encourages him to continue to do them because if he doesn't think that the things that he's doing are helpful, then eventually he's going to say, well, I'm not going to do it. Why am I doing it anyway? I mean, she's just saying I do a great job. I don't really know what I'm doing. That's good. So I'm just going to stop doing it. And then you're looking like, God dog it. I got to sit up here and wash these dishes tonight. I got to put the kids to bed, but you validating, Hey, you did this great. This, this is great. Let him know, hey, this is how I can be. This is my part. This is how I'm playing my part here. And that allows him to be helpful. And it allows him to make sure he gets his little things to do in the pregnancy as well. And that those things are very much so needed. I like the the idea of, you know, highlighting specific things. Um, and that's even for me, I think that's that's thing is that's helpful in the sense that you know, it also gauges for me what's important to you. Um, you know, so if you highlight the fact that, you know, hey, you know, I really appreciate you, the fact that you picked up these prescriptions. Um, I'm not sure that I would have been able to get them if you didn't get them for me. Um, then as the husband in my mind, that that remains there that, you know, okay, this is important to her. Uh, she appreciated this. So let me make sure I prioritize that. Um, as you mentioned before, if you don't really highlight this as a, a benefit, uh, then it may not happen again, or it may not happen as regularly as uh, it could happen if you know you don't um, if you hadn't highlighted it uh, as you know something that was helpful. So I definitely think that it's a great tool to use. Listen, now I'm listening to my husband speak. I'm like, I need to keep using that tool. Let me start using that tool more often outside of pregnancy. Right? He's looking like, why you don't do that more? <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start telling you exactly what I like. I'm going to start. All right, uh, medical intern, do we have any more questions? Yes, this one is the last one. And it says, Doc, my wife just told me that she was pregnant a few days ago. So I subscribed to your podcast and started binge listening. What advice can you give me to help my wife get through the pregnancy? The advice that I would have would, you know, kind of be for both of you all, which would be talk about what you want these the coming months to look like talk about what's going to be important what you know what milestones do you want to celebrate talk about you know what you want to experience together um you know look forward to the visits to to the 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 physician 
um, the checkups, uh, talk about what that's going to look at, look like, do some planning. I think that for me, one of the things that I enjoyed the most, uh, which I wasn't really sure that um, I didn't anticipate enjoying it as much as I did, were these doctor visits. And the reason I didn't anticipate enjoying them as much is because my wife is a physician um, and her uh, OB is one of her you know, best friends. And so I know that they would talk about the pregnancy and talk about her health care, you know, not only in her visit, but outside of the visit as they talk, you know, every day. And so uh, there may not be much for me to learn when I go to the visits, but her doctor was like really intentional about talking with me directly and, and sharing things with me that uh, they may have already talked about. And it just made the the visits to the physician uh, rich experiences and things like that. So I would encourage you to look forward to uh, moments that are you know going to be milestones. Look forward to you know going and doing uh, that shopping together for the baby's furniture and, and all of the preparatory things that come along with the nine months that are ahead or whatever the case may be, and just enjoy it. Uh, with each other. Don't, you know, allow it to be a moment, you know, a, a time of stress. Don't allow it to be a time of of um, disconnect. Use it uh, to grow together and uh, use it as an opportunity to, um, again, continue to anticipate in a positive way the new baby that's coming. And if you, you know, Approach it uh, from that perspective, not only for your wife, but I think for you, it will be a really rich and enjoyable uh, journey. I like all that you said. Uh, First, let me congratulate you by saying, oh, my God, congratulations. This is exciting. Right. You guys are having a new baby. And whether this is like your first baby or your 10th, it's still going to be exciting to you. Right. Um, So. I assume that this is probably one like a first or second baby because you've been listening to the podcast. So I'm going to tell you, make sure you share the podcast with your wife. Okay. So she can binge listen as well and all your friends and family. But, um, but I think that you even being excited enough to say, let me go and seek out information. That in itself means you're going to be an awesome dad, right? You are doing research. You are trying to get as much information as you possibly can that in itself is amazing because a lot of people do not do that. Um, secondly, I would say, like my husband says, enjoy the process. Okay. This is going to be new, even if it's not the first pregnancy, each pregnancy is different. And so each journey is going to be different with each baby. So I would just take everything one step at a time. Um, also be present. Okay. And show her that you're present by saying, Hey, when is your first prenatal appointment? Is there anything you need me to call and schedule? You know, she has a pregnancy journey journal. You get yourself a pregnancy journal if you want one, or make sure you keep your dates in your own calendar so that you can set your own reminders. And then the day before those visits say, Hey, you know, don't forget we have this visit, the prenatal visit. We have this prenatal visit. Okay. And then remind her to write her questions down. Hey, don't forget your questions. And when you go to the the doctor, the doctor's going to say, do you have any issues, any questions? And nine times out of 10, your your wife is going to be like, no, I'm okay. And you're going to be like, 
Remember those questions you had, you were asking me, remember what you were Googling? Why don't you ask this doctor? And so I find that the husbands are constant reminders of things, even when the, uh, uh, the, the patient is saying, oh, well, that's not the doctor I'm supposed to ask that to, you know, they'll say, well, ask anyway, right? Encouraging her to ask anyway, that encouragement it's sort of like you are the hype man. Like you can do it. You can do it. You should ask, go ahead and ask, you know, that encouragement goes a long way. So I would definitely uh, say communicate, be present, you know, make sure that you guys are functioning as a team, right? Make sure you are not forgetting. So writing things down on your calendar or putting it on your phone um, is important to remind each other about those appointments. And then make sure you're talking to your uh, supervisor, if you have one, about, hey, I'm going to need these dates off. Okay. I need a little bit more flexibility so that you can anticipate if you have assignments at work, making sure you're ahead of the game for those that time that you're going to take off. And also making sure that if you are working a job that needs coverage, that you have coverage scheduled ahead of time so that it's not an issue for you to leave for that half a day to go and take your wife or significant other to the doctor. So that planning is going to be key and then being present and then functioning as a team. Hey, we have questions. And remember what we talked about, you know, checking in with each other. You're good. I'm good. Am I good? Yes. So making sure you're, you're checking with each other. And then also I want to make sure that we remember The role of the dad is to be present and be supportive, but we also have to make sure you're checking yourself too, right? Because like we said, you know, the sympathetic pregnancy is is real, right? You can have those same symptoms that she has. Um, 11 to 60% of men do have pregnancy-related symptoms. So making sure that you're good, but also making sure that you're coping psychologically, okay? Hey, who are you talking to about how you're experiencing these things? Um, like one of the letters, uh, one of the questions had, you know, the wife said that, you know, these horrible, you know, she's moody and she's irritable. You know, that's a lot to deal with. Okay. And you are having to sort of give her a pass during the pregnancy, which can honestly tear you down psychological, psychologically as well. So making sure that you're checking in on yourself and making sure you're okay and you're talking to somebody as you are basically giving her a pass. And I'm not saying allow her to curse you out and be verbally abusive, but realize that her emotions and crying, I mean, that can have a toll on you psychologically. So making sure that your mental health is okay is really important and making sure that you are talking to other people that have been through this as well so they can support you through this journey as well. So I think that that's all the questions that we have today. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope you've learned a little bit more about the dad's role in the pregnancy. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate it and drop a comment on your preferred platform. Of course, I'd like to thank my handsome husband for putting up with me during this episode. Hopefully, He enjoyed it enough to come back for some other topics later. So, honey. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, honey, tell the people how they can find you on social media if you want to be found. Um, So, on most of the platforms, uh, you can find me, J for James, J. Anthony Plenty. Um, 
I am uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. So please uh, do uh, come find me if you like. All right. Now, don't nag him. Don't <laughs> nag him. OK, don't don't be, don't be stalking my husband. OK, but if you all have a, a ministry question, feel free. Right? Feel free. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and catch up at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself you are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you thanks for listening and have an amazing week bye pregnancy pearls is hosted by dr nicole lee plenty produced by nicole plenty and janine brunson johnson executive producer ken johnson find pregnancy pearls on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast please subscribe and rate the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.